Welcome to Good Dog Nation, the weekly video podcast that's all about having a good dog. Hosted by Kim Merritt, co-founder of GoodDogInABox.com and GoodDogPro.com and founder of The URL Doctor. This episode is brought to you by GoodDogInABox.com, reward-based dog training and dog bite prevention products for families with kids and dogs, and GoodDogPro.com, the online content subscription and community for dog professionals with reward-based dog training products, curriculums, and online courses to educate, motivate, and positively impact those that work with dogs. Now, let's join Good Dog Nation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Good Dog Pro. I am Kim Merritt, co-founder of Good Dog in a Box and Good Dog Pro, and I am here with my co-host, Drayton Michaels. How are you, Drayton? I'm well, Kim. How are you today? I am good. And nice. we've got we've got a new title for you today, Little Uh-oh. Dog Guru. All right. Well, just remember, that's because you can become one too, right? So there's no the, just like Pitbull Guru, right? So That's right. Yeah. So it's for everybody. But yeah, yeah I started a new website called Little Dog Guru. So tell us, tell us about that. And what, what is the attraction for you for all of this attention to little dogs? Well, I think they need it because I think a lot of people um, in a number of ways, which we'll get into shortly, don't really either understand or respect little dogs, right? So if the little dog of 15 pounds is barking and snarling at somebody, they might be more apt to either blow it off or maybe, you know, harshly scold the dog. But if you have that same scenario with a 65-pound dog, people are going to get scared and they might do something super harsh, right? So all dogs learn the same way, safe and safe, neutral, associative learning, consequence learning, all the same, right? Same brain. The, tr- the trouble or the challenge with little dogs, and there's a few, is mainly a lot of little dogs are scared or stressed because people aren't giving them the, the, the proper attention or the respect they deserve, the space, things like that. You know, I often say to my clients with little dogs, you know, one of the issues is that if you had a Rottweiler, nobody would have been reaching for your dog and causing these problems. You know, if you had a big dog that was growling or afraid, they wouldn't say, ah, whatever, I love dogs. And they, you know, rub the dog's face and then the dog becomes fearful of approaches and hands. So part of it was just because I really love dogs and I love little dogs. And over the years I've seen, you know, I've seen it. I'm like, oh, so this is why little dogs get labeled this. They're bratty, they're stubborn, they're spoiled, right? Oh, he's he's overcompensating because he's little. Look at him barking. Nah, he's really scared, and he's trying to do exactly what other dogs do, which is to say, hey, back up, get away. I don't feel good about this, right? Um, and then, you know, there's just some practical issues that I don't think have ever really been fully addressed. Like the mechanics of training a little dog are really challenging, and, you know, whenever – any trainers who have ever razzed me about, oh, you work with puppies? I'm like, yeah, I do, man. Mechanics, the mechanics for working with little dogs. It's really like if you want to become a trainer, work with little quick dogs and you'll get some mechanics because they're moving quick. So there's that. And then um, honestly, the real estate was available. I couldn't um, ignore the fact that little dog guru and small dog guru were just there. So I just took them. Um, much like I did with Pitbull Guru or ModernDogTraining.com, I just said, oh, there's some real estate. Look at that. I'll just take it. So, you know, on a business side, right, I want to corner the market on little dogs, not only in my area, but, you know, around the world. Because obviously I'm known for working with uh, pit bulls and bully breed dogs, and I'm known for working with all dogs. You know, people understand that I don't just work with bully breed dogs, but I do. I'm, you know, going into 2020, I really want to make a, a nice push towards really helping 
the small and little dog community just understand their dogs better and just, you know, get some more legitimate help. Because I think, again, just going back to what I said, a lot of times little dogs either just get blown off and not taken seriously or they get treated really harsh. So in little dogs being misunderstood, what do you think are some of the main things that are misunderstood about little dogs? Well, like we said, just, you know, the whole bratty, you know, that whole thing, like thinking the dog has this moral imperative to be, you know, bad because they're little, you know, and, and one of the main problems that results from this is little dogs end up with more fear or stress simply because they're little. There's, you know, we're talking about small dogs, whether a toy dog or, you know, just a small breed dog, you know, any dog under, you know, 20, 25 pounds, I would consider a small dog. And, you know, they're more prone for stress and fear because traffic's bigger, other dogs are bigger, people are big, you know, everything's big and they're little. So just from an evolutionary standpoint, just from a safe, unsafe, neutral perspective that dogs have, not all little dogs, but I've found that, you know, categorically little dogs are going to have a little bit more stress and fear about certain things like reaches, uh, people approaching, traffic, and maybe dogs, you know, because you got to remember if you're a six pound dog and a 60 pound dog comes up to you and they're putting their big old snout in your face, you know, remember dogs meet in a tactile way. You know, dogs are very physical about their greetings, even if it's in close proximity when they do get that chance. So, you know, little dogs are basically going through life like, you know, a, a little person or a smaller person might be a little bit more prone to having some, you know, environmental stressors because they're little. So what do we want to do as dog owners, dog lovers? What do we want to do to set up life for a little dog on a good a good start? Well, the first thing I always tell people is make sure you protect your little dog from people reaching, leaning. You know, again, like you, you could be doing everything right. And then you're the type of person who wants everybody to like your dog. So you just let people touch them. And I've just found, you know, a lot of little dogs are really they're kind of a sh shying away from hands a lot and, you know, or growling because they just don't get the respect. People don't respect their space. That would be number one. And as owners, I guess we really need to advocate for our dogs, oh, which oh. I don't, which I don't think people do enough. Don't even realize they let people do that. You really have to invite <laughs> somebody to, to know how to behave around your dog. Yeah. I think, you know, that's something that all people, really need to understand that whether it's you have a gate system or you have some sort of just hold on a second protocol mm -hmm. give your dog a second don't just let people especially kids just run up on your dog and just start petting them and again look somebody may watch this and go my dog is fine with that great mazel tov you're the exception yeah categorically dogs are you know very affable creatures right you know that's why we can have them but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't respect their space. It doesn't mean we should take advantage of their good nature and, you know, you know and, and just, you know, respect their space. And little dogs, I just find more and more that I work, the more behavior history forms I get. One of the biggest problems is, well, the kids pick the dog up for the first six months all the time. Yeah, and then they got bored. But during that developmental period, while the dog was a puppy, the dog got picked up and put down all the time. And now the dog's afraid of approaches and being picked up. Right. And maybe the mom or the dad could pick the dog up because they predict more reinforcement. But now the dog barks at kids when they approach because the dog has figured out that kids generalize to a I'm going to get picked up and touched. And I don't want to deal with all that because I remember when I was a little puppy and none of that shit was really fun for me. Right. And everyone was laughing. Da, da, da. Right. So 
I have the unfortunate or fortunate, however you want to term it, of having behavioral, like acute behavioral awareness. So when I look at it through the dog's lens, I'm like, wow, look at this little dog. Like nobody's understanding that this dog is not liking all these hands in its face. So when the dog bites the kid's finger or bites a person or, or bites another dog, people are all, they're, they're stymied. And I look at the history and I'm like, no, you just, you didn't protect this little creature from people and nobody did anything wrong. The problem is, is people aren't giving this information out. I don't, I, look, I've been, I've been working with dogs for 20 years. I went to the Academy for Dog Trainers. I studied with Dr. Susan Freeman for eight weeks. I, I have never heard anybody talk about little dogs like this ever. I've, I've never heard anybody talk about it. Say, hey, you know, we need to look at this from a pr protection perspective for these little dogs. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, not like, oh my God, we're afraid they're going to get hurt. No, we need to protect them from not liking hands and faces and approaches because that is going to be the number one thing that little dogs are afraid of is the approach, the reach in their face all the, and other dogs invading their space. Right? Because just because just they're little, you know? So I think if you're going to get a little dog, if you're going to get a, a French bulldog or a Shih Tzu or, you know, a, make sure that you protect their behavior because that's going to be the number one thing that will impede their ability to socialize with people or other dogs if they have fear issues. So what's the proper way to pick up and handle a small dog? Well, whenever you pick up a little dog, you always want to support their butt, right? So whether it's a puppy or whether it's, you know, a toy breed dog or just a little dog, you want to support their rear. So I usually pick them up in a manner like that, you know, where I have them secure, right? And that's, you know, again, like I see a lot of people, it's a great question. I see a lot of people just pick a little dog up like it's luggage. And I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, because again, you know, what I always explain is if you get picked up by somebody, <laughs> right, your stomach drops, right? Mm. You, right? You're like, huh? right? So I'm not saying again that you shouldn't pick little dogs up. What I'm saying is if you're going to do it, you should pay for pickups. So when you pick them up, they're secure. Yes, right? You give them a little treat. So we have a little prop here today, right? So if I have this little dog right here and I'm, I'm supporting them and they're secure and I have them held, I can give them a little treat and pay for pickups. Right. And that way there, they're it's just like you would do a sit, stay or down stay. And now they're getting paid. And then, you know, we can talk about this, you know, a little bit more in depth. But, you know, if you have a little carrier, right, you get them in the carrier. Right. This is a little doggy Bjorn carrier. And, you know, now you can carry the dog around on your shoulder. It's a lot easier to do your counter conditioning when they're in this. Right. Because this is around your shoulder. And then, you know, the dog's right here underneath your arm so when you're walking around you can yes and treat them what i always say to people is you know yeah you can have your dog walk around and you know do their do their business or whatever and, and smell some grass but when you're walking down a main road with a lot of traffic or maybe you're taking the dogs and the kids and the husband and everybody you're going to the mall or that kind of thing let the dog potty before you get in the car let the dog do a little walkies and smelling and doing some potties when you get there and then put them in the carrier They'll, they they will like it way better, especially if you're paying them because their little head's going to whip around like, what's happening? And you can yes and treat them right under your arm versus having to lean all the way to the, you know, to the ground. I always joke, if you want lower back and ab work, don't get the Bjorn. Me, if I had a little dog, the first thing I teach him is, yeah, you're going to live life under here, kid. You're going to be hanging with Papa up here because it would just make so much more sense. You know what I mean? 
so so how how would a dog owner do that with a little dog how do you get them you how do you start out with one they smell yes. it yes and treat them you put it away maybe do that for a couple of days just bring it out they smell it yes and treat them put it away then you just lift the little guy or little girl in you put them in the bjorn mark and pay put them on your arm mark and pay oh what's up good kid boop, 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 and then take them out maybe like do four or five seconds a day of that for a couple of days and then you just start doing it you just you just, you know, spend, you know, maybe like three to four or five days just getting them used to it in the house, walking around maybe in the yard and then just take it out, take it out on the street. I mean, you know, look, I had a client four years ago. She had a four pound chihuahua and she lived in New York City. The dog was scared of everything, everything. And she was taking the dog on the subway. She was taking the dog everywhere, right? Like a, like a really good dog mom because she could because she had this dog who literally was epic. He looked like a toy. As you need to get a Bjorn, you need to put the dog in a little shoulder carrier. She's like, well, I have a carrier carrier. I'm like, yeah, that's good if you're going to travel, be on a train, that kind of thing. But, you know, if you want to bring that along with you and, and maybe have them lay in that at work or whatever. I was like, but when you're walking around, you need to have them under your arm so you can pay him, right? So you can counter condition. So he starts to reduce this fear. So, you know, that really, and then, you know, she emailed me back and she's like, you know, Doing, doing what you told me to do to change my life with this dog because he's just like completely different now, right? He's not scared of everything. He's still scared of stuff. He's still always going to be a little nervous because he's only four pounds, but, you know, he's not barking and growling and doing all the stuff that was going on. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, I have a little creature and they see everything is safe and safe neutral like every other dog. They're going to see stuff, you know, even more so as, oh, this is not safe because they're little. You know, and a lot of times people don't let those little dogs get away. Like if the Roddy or the German Shepherd, you know, or the 40 pound mixed dog goes, hey, don't touch me. They might let the dog get away. But when the 16 pound dog says that, they say, hey, come here, let me hold you. You know, and they don't give that dog that respect. So. And I would have to think that those Bjorn carriers have the same type of effect with a small dog that a thunder shirt or a wrap would, that it makes them feel more secure. Yeah, I think it's actually better because there's no hardcore proof that those thunder shirts actually work. They're in the category of can't hurt, might help, right? Like I'm not saying, you know, wrapping the dog in a tight thing won't help, but it is not going to be a cure-all. And I think if you have a dog held, literally held against you with your body warmth, right? And you're outside and you're paying them, right? Because they, they can still be scared out of their mind and not take food when you have them held and you're paying them, right? But at least it's, it, it's going to be a lot less stressful for the dog to be up here. They're immediately going to know, oh, yeah, those tractor trailers are scary, but I'm up here, right? Whereas, you know, the Thunder shirt, like, you know, the other thing is that I think, I don't know if they've improved them, but, you know, putting dryer sheets underneath them was really a good idea because then the static electricity gets taken care of. And that's really, like, when it comes to Thunder, not to get off topic, but it's the barometric pressure dropping and the, um, you know, the static electricity coming in that really starts to freak dogs out, you know, so if you can get ahead of those two, um, get your dog to the tub where it's grounded, give them, a, give them a frozen Kong or some kind of meat toy, something that's just really going to blow their mind, you know. Uh, but back to little dogs, you know, with the whole holding and carrying, look, they're going to get picked up, right? And again, like if you've got a bigger dog, they're going to get picked up as a puppy for maybe – a month and then they're going to start getting a little too big and you're not really going to you might have to help them in the car and things like that but little dogs are going to be held and picked up for the rest of their lives 
So it's really crucial. I just had a class, a puppy class, where we had four dogs who were all small dogs. And when the two big dogs did sit stays and down stays, we still did some sit stays with the little dogs and down stays. But I said, this round, go ahead and pick them up and pay for pickups. Pay for pickups just like you have a stay. Because when you're standing there with your dog held and you're signing a form at the vet, right, you really want them to have good conditioning and good association to being held So because you, you're going to get something on credit, right? So you want to build that resiliency early on. And I'm assuming that the little dog strollers that I see people with totally it's different. Okay. Hold, on, hold on a sec. Ralphie, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. Good boy. You're all right. It's okay. You hear a doggy bark outside? It's okay. Good boy. Good job. Okay. We can continue. <laughs> I'm yeah, assuming they're, 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 that's a different story than than the yeah, Bjorn carriers. Still, yeah, but it's, look, anything, anything that'll help the little dog feel good, right? Now you could put the dog in the stroller, but as far as a practicality, as far as like being able to counter condition, it might be a little cumbersome to lean over that and have to pay the dog. Remember, being held is only one part of the stress reduction. The other part of the stress reduction for little dogs is when they're held, they're getting paid. They're getting counter conditioning, yes, and treated just right. like any other counter conditioning protocol. Again, you could do it with them on leash. And look, if somebody watches this and goes, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, I got a 10-pound dog and he never, great. That's super awesome. Good for you. You don't right. have to watch this. Or maybe you do. I don't know, right? But but the vast majority of little dogs that I've worked with have at some point, when, when you're looking at their history and you're looking at their behavior, They've got some kind of fear and stress that's a little inordinate. It's a little overly generalized, right? Like all dogs may have, like we just heard Ralphie. He got spooked by something. I jolly talked him. Now he's back to whatever he's doing. But when when you have a little dog who may have a overly generalized stress and fear response to so many things because they're little, and then if you add in a history of pain training, you add in a history of yelling and scolding and all that, you know, you can wind up with a, you know, a 10 pound, 12 pound dog who's bitten a few fingers or ankles yeah. and, and, and doesn't want to be social, is scared. That is a crappy way to live. And that is a, a really egregious way to look at your be dog's behavior like, oh, well, they're spoiled or they're a brat or, you know, they're, no, they're afraid. And they're afraid because nobody has stopped and said, hey, this dog's little and that's why they're afraid. And we need to change how we set up the environment. We need to change how we approach this dog and respect this little dog because, sure, okay, no one's going to sue us if the dog gets out and bites a kid because he's 10 pounds, right? Because not a Rottweiler or a Pitbull or a German Shepherd or a big dog people are afraid of, but it's still a dog that's living a life of fear and stress. Like, you know, that's why, and I, you know, we talked before we, we, we got on the air today. You know, when I've talked to dog trainers, I'm like, I don't like little dogs. I'm like, well, you should, and here's why. Because they're dogs, and they have the same exact needs and the same exact, you know, empathy meter, <laughs> at least in my world, that all dogs should have, right? It's like, yeah, I absolutely adore little dogs. I I, I, uh, I love a Yorkie. Don't even show me a Yorkie. You know, scoop that little dog up so fast and pay him and kiss him in the face, you won't even know. So with environment changes you mentioned. So what can we do to set up our environment, our homes that are more conducive to a small dog and make them more comfortable and less stressful and less fearful? Well, the great thing about having a little dog 
right? That's not big. <laughs> the little dog is that number one, you can set up a dog proof area in your house with like the little pads on the floor for them to like, like a little gymboree, right? Because you've got a little dog and right. they can chill in there. And so you always have a place, you know where the little dog is. Because one of the other problems that a lot of families run into, especially with kids, is the little dog gets out of the house because they don't hear him, they don't see him. And little Johnny or Janie blows through the door, bye, going to Billy's house. And when they go out the door, the little dog follows them and they don't hear the dog. And then two hours later, the dog's lost. So, you know, having your house set up in that manner where you know the dog can't escape, they've got a little area where they can play, their crate is there, et cetera, food and water. And then, you know, the other advantage of setting up your house for your little dog is that you can play with your little dog in the house. You know, you can play fetch with your little dog, right? Maybe you'll be able to run around and, you know, get the dog going kooky because they're not a 75 pound dog who might knock over right. a lamp, you know? Right. So, so you can really, you know, you can really set it up. And then uh, one of the things I often tell little dog guardians is, look, get your dog used to going on the potty pads, right? Now I know that this is like a controversial subject. Oh my God, potty pads, right? And it's just like, no, it's not. It's Everything's contextual. So, what I tell little dog guardians is this, get a pen, like, like a North States metal play yard. They make great, they're like, you can break them open. You can use them as gates, pens, put it in the same spot in the house. It's always there. Leave the door open, leave the potty pads in there. Let the dog check it out. Know they're safe. You can pay them for going in there. And then when you know your dog has to go to the bathroom, because this is the time I normally walk the dog, just bring him over to the potty pad area and have him shut the, shut the gate and just wait him out. Let him go to the bathroom in there. Mark and pay. Yes, just like you would potty train the dog as a puppy, whatever. And then, you know, just get the dog used to the fact that sometimes you're going to go to the bathroom in here. And here's why. Because at some point, there's going to be a nor'easter or snow or rain, right? Or it's going to be a thousand degrees, right? Some There's going to be some weather comeuppance that comes into your life and you're like, ah, oh, my dog's going to look at the door and go, nah, sorry, right? Now, again, some little dogs are like not flummoxed by the weather and they'll run right out and do their business and run in. But I've worked with a lot of little dogs and they're not having rain or snow, extreme heat, the wind, right? So, you know, if you have a storm come in at, let's say, 6 p.m., and it's going to last until 6 a.m. the next day. Like that's a long time for your little dog to have to hold it. Or you're trying to go out there in the rain. You're getting wet, wet, whatever it is. And if you could just get your dog used to the idea that you go over here. And the reason why you put the potty pads in one spot and they are there forever, just like all the other bathrooms in the house, is so the dog doesn't go anywhere else. Right. I recently did a session this past summer. I showed up. Lady had potty pads all over the house. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, my son. I was like, if you're not paying your son. And we laughed. She got it. And I said, go pick them all up because all you're going to teach your puppy is, yeah, pee all over the house. And then he's going to see a bath mat that looks like a potty pad. You're going to pee on it. I was like, what you do is you put the potty pads right over here and you don't move them. Right. And that, that's where they are. That's, they're always here. And right. So that's how you, that's how you can set up the environment for, you know, for potty for little dogs. So the weather doesn't get the best. You and your dog can still relieve themselves. Um, and again, you want to make, you want to make sure you're safe. And you tell the kids and the people in the house, look, we have a little dog that can slip past you, make sure they're secure or they're held. If, you know, if you're going to answer the door and let somebody in, you can pick them up, which is another great advantage to having a little dog. Ding dong, bark, bark. It's okay. Pick them up. Hey, come on in. Right. So um, other than that, you know, you want to make sure that uh, if you have any kind of chaos in your house, <laughs> kids, you know, whatever, like if your house is chaotic, if there's a lot of activity, 
that you have an area for your little dog to go when that chaos is going to ensue. If there, if, if you, if there, you know, if there have been issues, if the dog has been growling at people or maybe charging them and bite, trying to bite them and just really becoming flummoxed. Look, if, if little Janie or Johnny has their friends over, you know, every Wednesday for whatever, and you see a pattern where your dog is just really either overly excited or scared or whatever it is, again, like any other visitor, you can get the dog into a gated area, work to eat toy, strategically feed them throughout the time they're there, maybe give them their meal then. You know, it's just like anything else um, with little dogs, but you have the advantage of having a little dog. I mean, people who have little dogs really, I'll tell you, man, you got you got a maid. <laughs> You really do in a lot of ways. Well, it, it, yes, they do. I remember the years that I had a 150 pound Newfoundland and I certainly wasn't tucking her under my arm. In fact, when I went to pick her up at 11 weeks old, she already weighed 35 pounds. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I can see the wonderful advantage of, of little. What do you say to the family that has a little dog? but also has a big dog. Mm -hmm. And what yeah. do we do in that environment to make everybody happy or can we? No, that's a good point. And you know, whether you have a puppy who's going to grow into a bigger dog or you have a little dog and they're going to remain little, um, it's like every other canine relationship. You want to make sure that you have separation when they eat, separation when you're not home, um, and maybe even separation when you can't supervise. Now, the biggest challenge when you have a weight and a size differential, again, dogs getting along, dogs like each other. So we're not talking about dogs who have issues here. We're talking about dogs who cohabitate and they're friends, that weight differential. And the bigger that weight differential, the greater chance of predatory drift. So we can talk about that. Predatory drift is the predation drifting to their own species so you know if the dog is really little especially if they look like prey if they're hairy they could squeak move a certain way and that bigger dog may think that's prey it, it can happen it can happen to dogs who are best friends right so there's that there's that consideration um then the other consideration is let's say the dogs do play and let's say there's only like a 15 or 20 pound weight differential right not a big one but but still that's considerable um, you want to make sure that you're refereeing, shaping that play. You know, you're actively engaged so that the little dog is not getting bowled over or hurt, you know, just unintentionally. So always keep that in mind. Um, and, you know, when you have two dogs who cohabitate and one of them is little and the other one is larger, you know, you all you always want to make sure that you protect the little dog just in general. Like, again, we're not saying that, you know, the, the little dog is anything other than little. But when you have that size and weight differential, yeah, it can be a problem. Even if the dogs are getting along, playing, going crazy, and then the big dog steps on the little dog because you weren't paying attention, the little dog can get hurt, and then you know that can, you know that can cause a, a rift in the relationship if it happens too much. Same thing with pestering, right? So let's say you've got a little dog who's super energetic, you've got a dog who's bigger, and they'll play, but the big dog taps out after five minutes, right? They're like, okay, and then they don't let the big dog go chill; they let the little dog pester. And the big dog goes, and they growl at him or something happened. They think, oh, the big dog's mean. No, you should have ended the play at five minutes or whatever it was and just separated and gave the little dog a space. Again, you know, this this is, to me, it's common sense, right? To me, it just, you know, taps right into everything that I was taught and everything that I've learned about reduce stress, create safe environments, and everybody gets along better. The dogs get along better, the people. Yeah. If you just, and a lot of people don't just stop and go, you know what? 
these dogs play every day for about 10 minutes. But I noticed that, you know, like about eight minutes in, old Bowser over here, he has a problem. He seems to get a little uh, flummoxed by all this. So why don't I stop at like six minutes and just give our seven-year-old dog a break because our three-year-old Shih Tzu right. can't, doesn't have a shutoff switch here. He's not reading it. So let me read this for the dog and then just end it so they feel good about it. End on a high note. That's a big axiom in, in training, you know, is end on a high note. So, you know, that's that's a, a problem or a challenge with a lot of multi-dog households. But, you know, it can be exacerbated when you have a little dog and a big dog because if it does go bad and things become, you know, aggressive, then little dog may not fare well at all. And how about for someone that, that doesn't have other dogs in the house? We, we've had two separate podcasts where we've talked a lot about play and mm. that dogs need play just like kids need play they need playmates talk to us about how do we pick good playmates for mm. our little dog yeah and it, you know it's a chat i think the the biggest challenge for all dog guardians is to find a, a good social set for your dog right and i always tell people look you don't need a, a million dogs friends but you know three to five is a really good ratio because then you know you can always tap into one of your dog's friends for a walk or a play date so with little dogs, you want to obviously find dogs that are super social, just like you would with any other size dog. And you want to make sure that if you can, you know, there's not too much of a size and a weight differential. However, I can recant the story of a 65-pound Great Dane puppy who was already the size of a mini horse and a four-pound Frenchton, which is a cross between a French Bulldog and a Boston Terrier. Okay, four pounds and 65 pounds. Both dogs came into puppy class as the shy dogs. So we created a, a library for them where they could just chill. You can go to the Urban Dogs uh, uh, Instagram and you can look, find the video from a couple years back of these dogs playing. All the big dog did was lay there and the little dog just ran all over. I love you. I love you. And the big dog was, oh my God, I love you too. It was like the greatest thing in the world, right? But again, that still required a lot of management. Because I had a four-pound dog and a 65-pound dog. And if the 65-pound dog moved its paw too quick and I wasn't there to mitigate it, the little four-pound dog could get thrown across the room. So that's an extreme case. But again, you know, if you've got dogs who are friends and they enjoy playing with each other, make sure that you're refereeing and shaping and mitigating and doing all, all the things you need to do, especially with little dogs. Now, here's the challenge with little dogs. And we can kind of move from playing into the training challenges. But they're little. They move quick, right? So again, you know, if, if you're going to, and I know people won't, but if you, if you're going to referee and be actively engaged, you need to be on your game because little dogs are really quick, you know, and puppies or, or just small breed dogs. And, you know, I, I do this, you know, seven days a week pretty much. So I, I get the mechanics of it, but that's one of the things that people find very challenging with little dogs. They get all hyper and happy and they can't get their attention. So they can't get them and they don't want to be picked up. And right. So like if you're 60 pound or 70 pound or 50 pound dog, you need to walk over and kind of snatch them it's a little easier than a dog who's at your ankles, who can move like the wind, <laughs> you know? So verbal disengagements, prompts, like all that stuff, just, just do it right away. So when they hear the sounds and they come running, yes, and treat them high value. Right. Start shaping the play. Right. Especially with little dogs, because you're going to need them out of play at some point. Um, leave it. 
whoa, 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 right? Do a lead, a cute touch, hand targeting. Get those established right away with your little dog because you need disengagement on a play and it'll transfer over to other times when it's hectic. Your dog will have a recorded history of, oh, hey, when things are all kaplooey and I hear those sounds and I run over, they give me food. Right. Yeah, that, that'll play in your benefit because, again, you're not chasing down any dog if they want to run. Last time I checked, the average speed of most dogs is between like 35 and 45 miles an hour at top speed, like open. Like, so you, you're not catching a car. It doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all dogs need this, but especially with little dogs because you can't grab – your neighbors can't grab your little dog. You know, old – you know, Jackson over here, the – 70 pound mastiff who kisses everybody and slobbers in their crotch you can have you know neighbor joe snatch him up if he gets out of the house pretty easy but little old you know rocket man who's this big you know he's gonna either get hit by a car or fall down yeah. a sewer or you know not nobody's gonna catch him he's hiding running around the neighborhood for three hours you know animal control can't get him all because nobody ever went and when the dog ran over, they drained chicken on his head or roast beef. And he was like, oh, man, I'll come over for that whistle every time. I don't care what's going on. And that's really how simple it is. I mean, you know, and for all the people who want to make dog training complicated, trust me, the simpler it is, the more elegant it is. It's just if you're saying a lot and doing a lot, you're wasting time. It's, it's all about reinforcement. What do we want the dog to do? We want the dog to run over to us when they're in the middle of play. All right, let's make a bunch of funny sounds. And when they get over to us, we'll yes and treat them. If you do that. Every minute, every 30 seconds in play, dogs will come out. You will reduce the stress. They will have a disengagement. And then you can let them play and play as you need to as that relationship, you know, grows or, or you know, as they figure out how to shape their own play. I, I've done this enough where I've, I've conditioned dogs to disengage from play every 15 to 20 seconds. They start doing it on their own. I'm like, ah, you can go play. And then right. they start to micro disengage. So they, they do a little bit. They start to, you know. It's, it's like teaching a kid how to read pretty soon. You know, you're like, Hey, where's my book? Oh, Billy's got it. He's in, he's in the other room. He's reading. There you go. And on that note, that is great advice to end on. So everybody enjoy their little dog, but remember they're little and you have to protect a little dog, maybe a little bit more than a big dog. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank, thank you, Drayton, so much for you're sharing welcome. all your wonderful knowledge with us today. My pleasure. We'll see everybody next week. Take care. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to participate in the rest of today's conversation for professionals who work with dogs and receive continuing education credits from participating organizations for listening, visit gooddogpro.com and subscribe today. Use coupon PODCAST to get 40% off your first month or annual subscription.